Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, September 28th. Smoke days tripled. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Following recent federal approval for Pfizer booster shots, county officials are urging those who can get them to do it. That means people over 65, those with underlying health conditions, and healthcare workers. Here's County Public Health Officer Dr. Wilma Wooten. Just like as every year we take the flu shot again, based on what's been circulating in the previous year, uh, that could happen going forward. But for right now, today, the booster is the exact same vaccine. There's only approval for Pfizer boosters right now, so if you've had the Moderna or Johnson & Johnson vaccines, officials say you'll have to wait. Parents in the San Marcos Unified School District have been warned that some students have attended class while symptomatic for COVID-19, and in a few cases, after testing positive for the virus. The warning came in an email from District Superintendent Andy Johnson. Johnson says his district is working overtime to keep up with cases. We've hired uh, six or seven additional people who just to do full-time contact tracing. They're on the phone every single day making hundreds of phone calls to our parents. The superintendent is reminding parents to keep their children at home if there's any chance they're symptomatic. The county lost a COVID-19 testing site last week when the Tubman Chavez Community Center permanently closed its doors. Now, three local churches have stepped in to help the county continue to provide free testing in southeastern San Diego. Testing will be offered at the Bayview Baptist Church in Canto Southern Baptist and the City of Hope International Church. No appointment is needed at any of the three sites. Masks are required. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hey, hey, hey. This is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. California grapples with wildfires every year, and a new analysis of satellite imagery finds that wildfire smoke is causing problems far away from the fire zones. The analysis was done by NPR's California Newsroom and Stanford University's Environmental Change and Human Outcomes Lab. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says smoke is also a growing problem in San Diego County. Wildfires are a part of life in Southern California. Flames race out of control, evacuations are ordered, fire crews respond, and after hours, days, and in some cases weeks, the blaze is finally snuffed out and the damage is assessed. But new research finds the flames are not the only problem. Wildfire smoke has greatly extended the damaging reach of these out-of-control blazes. I refer to them as the long arm of the fire. Neil Driscoll is a Scripps Institution of Oceanography researcher who helps firefighters track wildfire movement in Southern California. These plumes can go long distances. We noticed that this year. 
we had areas in New England being shut down because of air quality from fires that were in California. In San Diego, the amount of smoke in the air has more than tripled over the last decade. NPR's California newsroom teamed with researchers at Stanford University to analyze satellite images of wildfire smoke. Stanford's Marshall Burke worked on the project. We've seen a clear upward trend in San Diego County uh, and across other parts of Southern California, an upward trend in the number of days uh, with smoke plumes uh, in the air, uh, and a rapid increase in the number of days with these very heavy, these dense smoke plumes overhead. The investigation found Oceanside residents are now living with more than a month of smoke a year. It's the same for other parts of North County like Escondido, Fallbrook, and Camp Pendleton. In Imperial County, some areas outside El Centro are now experiencing two months of smoke a year. Even so, Burke says the local region didn't get the worst of it. Southern California did get hit with wildfire exposure, but really parts of Northern California, the Bay Area, uh, got hit really hard just because of this confluence of wind direction and where exactly the active wildfires are. But the smoke is still impacting health in San Diego and Imperial counties. The analysis found a 17% increase in hospitalizations for respiratory and cardiac conditions in the heavy fire year of 2018, compared to just two years before. Prescriptions for asthma medication, abuterol, spiked by nearly 21% between 2013 and 2018. It can be very bad for people with pre-existing heart or lung disease. Greg Hirsch is an Escondido pulmonologist. He says wildfire smoke is notoriously bad for people. Healthy folks can experience coughing, lung irritation, and shortness of breath. In more serious cases, it can cause asthma and heart disease. Hirsch is particularly concerned about tiny particles smaller than 2.5 microns that can get past the upper airways. They get down into the smaller airways or the alveoli, the air sacs where the gas exchange occurs. They can be difficult to get rid of. The wildfire smoke is particularly dangerous in communities of color that are already coping with poor air quality. Barrio Logan, San Isidro, and Escondido face additional challenges. Their air is polluted because of traffic or industry. San Diego County Supervisor Nora Vargas chairs the regional air board. She says politicians and regulators need to take extra steps to help communities of color cope. For instance, by providing alerts about poor air quality. Give our communities the tools that they need so they're very mindful and they know when pollution um, isn't in, in at those levels so that they're able to also protect themselves. Vargas says making sure people are aware of the risks of dirty air and giving them access to health care are important for working class communities. She knows the Air Board can't regulate wildfire smoke, but regulators can work to reduce other pollution sources that amplify the smoke's health impacts. We are really thinking about uh, what are the potential uh, risk of the different industries that are in the region. Meanwhile, fires continue to burn in California. There are more than a dozen active battles against wildfires. Flames from more than 7,700 blazes have already charred more than 2.4 million acres in California just this year. And that was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. California's eviction moratorium is set to expire at the end of the week. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim says the city of San Diego is looking to get more funds for its rental assistance program to keep more people housed and protected. 
the city has given out more than $103 million to nearly 12,000 households to help them pay rent and utilities over the last few months. Now it has about $13 million left, and Mayor Todd Gloria doesn't expect it to last long. We have received a tremendous number of applications. Uh, our expectation is that money will go quickly, and that's precisely why we are letting San Diegans know if you have initiated an application, now is the time to complete it. The city has given out funds to those in need through partnerships with groups like the San Diego Refugee Communities Coalition. Gloria hopes he can get additional state and federal funding to continue the program to try and make sure that every dollar that's a possible to get out there, that we could bring it to San Diego because if you entrust us with your dollars, we will use them wisely and quickly. After Thursday, people who haven't paid rent are still protected from evictions, but only if they have applied for rental assistance. And that protection only works if there's rental assistance funds available. That's why renters need to apply for funds now and stay informed says Gilberto Vera, senior housing attorney with San Diego Legal Aid. It is very important for tenants to follow up on the statuses of their application and keep an open line of communication with their landlord as, this, as their emergency rental assistance progresses. He says tenants should know their rights because they may not need to move out even if they've received an eviction notice. In anticipation of more evictions on the horizon, Mayor Todd Gloria also announced a new legal aid program. He's proposing spending $5 million in federal funds to educate and provide legal counsel for tenants facing eviction. The San Diego City Council will consider the proposal next week. And that was KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim. Schools across San Diego County call the police on hundreds of students every year, and some of the most vulnerable kids are getting the brunt of it. iNewsource investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman has more. Joshua Zavala has autism. He was just 13 when Lakeside Middle reported him to police. All of a sudden, they just said, okay, you have to come with us, and then they put me in handcuffs. Other kids accused Joshua of threatening to attack the school, which he denies. He was sent to a mental health facility for three days. Now, Joshua says he's left with an intense fear of cops. School officials in San Diego County say they only contact police for the most serious violations. But iNewsource found black students and kids with disabilities are being disproportionately reported. And some of the schools calling the cops the most serve students who have already encountered the juvenile court system. San Diego State Professor Frank Harris has researched school discipline. He says educators shouldn't rely solely on policies that create disparities. You know, if we can't have that, that, that type of grace with a kid, then who can we have it with? Joshua now attends a different school. And that was iNewsource investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman. For more on this story, go to iNewsource.org. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. This afternoon, the San Diego Unified School Board will take up the controversial issue of mandatory COVID-19 vaccines for eligible students. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez tells us that even though the meeting is virtual, parents plan to show up and protest. San Diego Unified School Board President Richard Barrera is clear what he believes the district should do. I absolutely support vaccine mandates for eligible students of, the, of our students who are 12 and older. I think, again, it's the best way to keep everybody uh, safe. 
Late last week, an opposition community group called Let Them Choose filed a legal complaint to stop any vaccine mandate from going into effect. All board members are expected to meet online and not in person. And that was KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. Coming up, how San Diego is working to bring social equity to the cannabis industry. More on that next, just after the break. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. When Californians voted to legalize the recreational use of marijuana back in 2016, there was also an effort to undo some of the damage done by the war on drugs. Communities of color were disproportionately affected by arrests and jail sentences for illegal marijuana sales, and the new law held the promise that the legal California marijuana industry would be created with a social equity component, helping members of previously targeted communities to establish legal cannabis businesses. But while both San Diego City and county officials say they are committed to establishing a cannabis social equity program, those plans are still not in place. Jackie Bryant is a reporter for The Voice of San Diego who's been covering the topic. She spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. What's the aim of social equity in the cannabis business? Is it simply to get more people of color to own cannabis businesses? That's definitely part of it. Um, Communities of color throughout, you know, the United States have been disproportionately targeted by the war on drugs. That includes arrest rates for possession and use, for sales, Um, really any all aspect of it, you can pretty much bet that non-white people have gotten nailed for it harder than anybody else. It's also an effort to address the unlicensed or black market because a lot of the people growing and selling weed in the days before legalization were also, you know, disproportionately jailed. And those include, you know, farmers here in San Diego County, up in Humboldt, who have been operating on the margins illegally for many years. So it's an address to basically bring into parity those with capital and access to making money in this market and those who were really honestly doing business, even though it wasn't legal, and to kind of bring those two forces together. Now, since 2017, marijuana sales and distribution have been banned in San Diego's unincorporated areas, but that's expected to change soon, isn't it? 
It is and it isn't. Earlier this January, when the um, County Board of Supervisors voted to, you know, to start the process to lift that ban, the idea was that by October they were going to, and then using very vague language the whole time, the idea was that they were really going to start this to get this in motion during the, you know, board meeting in October. That's still happening, but they've kind of rolled it back a little bit and softened the timeline. Um, you know, bringing an industry from the shadows into the light is an extremely complicated process. In California, which is where we've grown the weed historically forever, it's even more complicated than anywhere else because we had such a robust and significant illegal market. So yes, we the, the board has told me and clarified after, you know, we talked last week for, for this story that they will be voting to expand the operations of the five dispensaries in Ramona and El Cajon areas uh, that are now currently operational, kind of in a gray area, legally speaking, in the unincorporated areas. And then once they square away those existing five entities, then they're going to continue to move to um, lift that ban and bring cultivation, manufacturing, and sales to the unincorporated areas. Will the new countywide ordinance have a social equity component? Yes, it will. The details of that are still being hammered out, and they've hired a consultant, the county has, to um, bring that in and, and get that up to speed. They have many different um, industry watchdog advisors weighing in on that process, so it will. And it's intended to you know, give special opportunities and legs up and mentoring programs to you know, people in community of color, as well as people who have you know, citations, who have run into the law with previous cannabis citations. What about the city of San Diego? Where is the city in establishing a cannabis social equity program? They're also currently in the very early stages of the city, you know, just formulated its cannabis business division. And so as part of that, they will be, I can't say for sure, but it seems to be in tandem with the county. I know that they're talking and working together and also consulting with other cities. You know, consulting with other cities, that's a point, because even though both the city and county have not been prompt in putting together a social equity plan, you write that may actually be helpful because San Diego can learn from the mistakes of other cities. What kind of mistakes are those? Yeah, you know, obviously, in theory, social equity is a, is a great and necessary idea, but in practice like many things, it's much harder to implement. And it, it the truth is, is it just hasn't gone well in other places. I mean, that's, you know, it happens when you, again, infuse something very bureaucratic into something that was once freewheeling and, and mostly illegal. So some of the mistakes that have happened have been, again, bureaucratic errors, you know, and COVID obviously did not help things. So a lot of, you know, understaffed equity divisions with different municipalities, cannabis divisions, um, lots of paperwork, a lot of qualifications, just a lot of red tape that's been really hard and has been halting the process and, and halting people who are trying to benefit from this to get their businesses online. Um, some of the other things are that in certain areas, it's not super difficult to qualify for equity status to get some of these benefits in these programs. And so what a lot of business people will do is you'll have, let's give an example, a white, you know, wealthy, well-capitalized businessman who owns a cannabis company, and he'll find someone who qualifies for equity, bring them on as a business partner, and now suddenly you have an equity business. That's not really how this is supposed to work, right? So that's one of the main problems. Um, and, and there are different ways in different cities and counties and states of taking advantage of the situation. And we found that, unfortunately, that has happened in many places. So knowing that from off the top, the county and the city can hopefully put safeguards in place to, to mitigate some of those opportunities to take advantage. 
Now, you spoke with the head of San Diego's cannabis stakeholder group who told you that cannabis discussions have to stop focusing on land use regulations and start focusing on community. What do they say is needed in a cannabis social equity program? So, yeah, you know, I think everyone obviously recognizes that land use is extremely important. Cannabis is an agricultural product, but she is right. The conversation frequently starts there and it ignores the humans involved in this process. I mean, it's it's no different from any other discussion of labor. It's always about the business and the framework and the workers for some reason, even though they're the most important thing, come last. So I think... You know, what um, Miss St. Julian, along with other people in her group, want, they want mentorship programs, they want opportunities for, you know, to get uh, equity operators in front of people with capital. But really what these people need is money. And, and that's a big criticism of these programs, you know, that I forgot to mention earlier, is that they're really nice in theory and it's nice to give people help and training, but they need money. Everyone needs money to run a business. And so I think that improving that pipeline and getting equity operators in front of the right people is going to be a focus of these programs, you know, hopefully from the top. Now you have an event coming up to spotlight the work on social equity and cannabis. Tell us about that. I do. So um, Voice of San Diego has me moderating a panel for them tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Nathan Fletcher will be there and Andrea St. Julian, um, who, you know, is the head of the San Diego's Cannabis Stakeholder Group. She will also be there. The reason why I wanted to have this panel, honestly, was to keep everybody accountable and, and to let people know that we're watching. And this is a really important thing to have in this industry. And we haven't done a good job on it, frankly. It's kind of incredible that the eighth biggest city in the country, the second biggest cannabis market, you know, I mean, the largest legal cannabis market in the world doesn't really have an equity program. That was Jackie Bryant, reporter for The Voice of San Diego, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.